and welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. So, yeah, as mentioned for the, like, what, 52nd time? What, how, what episode are we on? 46. 46. For so, for the almost 50th time, we are a weekly podcast radio show-like thing. I'm not 100% sure <laughs> today. I must be drugged. We are a weekly show that watches romantic comedies through the ages to gain context and insight on the genre and so we can learn and have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have Critique and learn. Critique and learn. It's like school, but better. It is. <laughs> I'm learning a lot more than I learned in film school. Oh, poor Columbia. Oh. <laughs> we only had one film history class, if you think about it. Yeah, we did. Just one. To cover all of film history. And actually, I don't think we ever watched... This is a bad thing. We never watched a movie that had a female writer, director, or main character that had, like, a significant point on the plot and or passed the Bechdel test. I don't even remember what we watched in school. I have to dig out my old syllabus. (laughs) We watched Citizen Kane, a lot of Akura Kurosawa. There was a lot of, like, angry man movies. I remember, like, I know I fell asleep during one of them. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen Citizen Kane before, so I just doodled. Because once you've seen Citizen Kane and you kind of know the ending already, it's just kind of lame. Yeah. I don't know, we watched Bringing Up Baby. We didn't watch that. That was our example of screwball comedy. We didn't watch a lot of comedies, I don't think. I don't think we watched a lot of, I don't, I guess, I don't remember. It was all, like, Oscar reaching for the, reaching for the awards movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which aren't, you know, some of these, some of our movies have been Oscar recipients, and romantic comedies have kind of come into their own, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to see what works and what doesn't work. What are we watching today? This is a week before your wedding. Okay, yeah, we are watching 1988's Coming to America. Coming to America. I've seen this. You said you haven't seen it, or you've seen parts of it. I've seen parts of it. Right. I've never seen the end. I don't know how it ends. I've seen the beginning. I watched it on HBO or I started watching. I don't remember. I remember seeing the opening part somewhere and was like, this is not necessarily okay. Like, it's like the whole line of appropriation and what is, like, culturally appropriate. And I think it went past that. Even though it could be part of their culture, it's just, like... Where is the line where you end at making fun of a culture? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even if you necessarily are part of that culture, you can have a dialogue on it, but you still can cross that line mm-hmm. where it's like, uh, mm, don't do that. I don't have anything to add because I'm like, I don't really remember. <laughs> that's just, that's all I remember. Like, I remember that and then when he gets to New York and that's it. That's the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Eddie Murphy is very, very hit or miss with me. And like, I can't. Sometimes that type of humor just is not funny. Like, it crosses a line into where it's just not funny. Here's the description from Netflix. Discontented with his pampered life, an African prince heads to America to find someone who will fall for him, not his riches. Joined by his trusty sidekick, the prince plunges into a job at a fast food chain and romance with the boss's daughter. Dun dun dun! Let me guess it's McDonald's. It's um, it's a knockoff McDonald's. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, and James Earl Jones. Darth Vader is in the. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he plays his dad. Yep, the That's king. Right. That's right. It's directed by John Landis, who was very famous in the eighties for making a lot of comedies like Blues Brothers and I've seen the Blues Animal Brothers. House and like every Michael Jackson video. <laughs> this movie is a uh, hundred and fourteen minutes. It's rated R. It's three and a half stars on Netflix. In the 1989 Academy Awards, it was nominated for costume design and makeup. I'm not excited to see this. I'm excited. I don't know. I'm like, I'd watch that. I've seen it. Okay. I know. I don't remember the last time I have seen it. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Joey. Joey. <laughs> Joey gives it two thumbs up, Hey, It's in New York. <laughs> yeah, we should just give out Joey awards whenever the movie takes place in New York. 
The New Yorkiest of New Yorkistons. Most New York accent ever. The New Yorkies, that's what we'll call it. Presented by Pal Joey. <laughs> <laughs> the Yorkies. The Yorkies. Although it's Joey from Jersey. I feel like Joey's from Jersey. I feel like Joey's from Jersey too, but he pretends that he's from New York. As everybody does who lives in Jersey. Really? I thought some people were like really proud of being from Jersey. Well, they're proud of being in from a dumpster. Anywho. Uh, let's, let's, let's watch this movie! Yay! Yay, here we go. Bye. Bye. Watching the movie. We're going out and out I'm into walking the world. right now. Yep. <laughs> Get some Foley action. <laughs> now we're just making noises. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm almost getting married. I get married next week. You're getting married next week. We watched another wedding movie. <laughs> you know, these movies are either prom or wedding now. Yeah. They're starting to get into their stock storylines. This is how a romantic comedy has to end. Or feature some sort of dance or wedding. Or both. Yep. Because the last one. Oh, yep. There was a dance and, and a, a wedding. wedding. <laughs> In 16 Candles. That's what it was. That's the movie. Yep. So what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? Um, my thought is that this is not a, like a typical romantic comedy movie. This is one of those where if we tell people we're watching romantic comedies, we're watching uh, Coming to America, people will be like, what? It's not a romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I think it's skewed towards uh, gentlemen viewers. Oh, for sure. Yeah, this is like a movie for like my dad. <laughs> and all of his friends. Coming to America is from Paramount Pictures, 1988. I was almost born. I can't believe you weren't born yet. I, like, remember 1988. I don't really, but... It depends on what month, because I would have been in utero. Mm. I, so I would be, I would have been alive, depending on how you, you define life. You would have been, like, s dividing cells. Yep. Then all the Disney stuff came out, and that's when, like, that's... I remember that. I remember going to the movies to see The Lion King. Yeah. This movie is The Lion King meets Aladdin, but... Like, meets New Yorkers. Meets New Yorkers. <laughs> it's like if, if they all three came and had a baby, mm -hmm. and then they just sprinkled some New York... Some some queens. Some Eddie Murphy makeup. Yeah. And some some, some Arsenio Hall mm -hmm. quips. That's what this movie was. Remember remember Arsenio Hall's show? Vaguely. Before you were born. <laughs> I know of it. I've never seen it, but I know of it. I know of him. Yeah. He had a show and you went he did what now? Ooh, ooh. I can't do it. It's like the the sport fan thing. That's not a sport fan thing. They're starting to do it. They're all doing it. Oh, so you punch the air? Yeah, it's one of these. Like you're ooh, you're doing ooh, a ooh, fake ooh, 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 boxing thing. Got it. That was the 90s. We're not there yet. A little sneak peek of what the 90s were like. As we begin this movie, we are introduced to the country of Zamunda in the great continent of Africa. Because there's tiny countries in Africa that have not been discovered yet. Well, it's like Genovia. Oh, it's yeah. It's an approximation of any sort of thing you could... I love region. how it starts out pretty much exactly like The Lion King, though. Yeah. Because they're, they're singing, or they're humming, because it's Ladysmith Bombazo, or Bombazo. Is it The Lion Sleeps Tonight? Yeah. Um, there's this great big castle, and um, Prince Eddie Murphy is awoken by his orchestra alarm. <laughs> is that how you want to be woken up? No. By an orchestra? No. One, because my sister used to play the violin and wake me up, and I hate the sound of the Hmm. Uh, no, I just, I would prefer to, like, be gently nudged into to awakenedness. Like, with a gentle tap. Tap, tap, tap-a-roo. 
Well, at least the way that I like Sam to do it, because if he does it in any other way, <laughs> I'm evil. Um, is to, like, gently tap me on the back and just say, I'm going into the living room. Come out when you wake up. <laughs> and then I gently ease myself into the world. So I am not angry. Yeah. Well, Eddie Murphy in this movie plays Akeem, the prince, and he has tons and tons of servants, and it's his birthday, and his servants get him all clean. Sure, we'll go with that description. <laughs> Although the best part is when the lady just appears out of the bathtub uh, from under the water and just says, the royal penis is clean, with a straight face, because I couldn't say that with a straight face. <laughs> Uh, so, since it's his 21st birthday, it is tradition that he is presented with his bride-to-be, and then they get married. Like, yeah, he's, like, betrothed to this woman, but he's never met her. Yeah, it's an arranged marriage. The purpose of this woman is she was born and instantly declared, you're the queen one day. You'll be the queen-to-be. Yeah, she's been trained. We go to breakfast with the king and queen, who are... Mufasa and Sarabe. They are indeed... I'm sorry, I had to say it like that, because that's how I remember it, with Scar, like, freaks out. Sarabe! (laughs) Because that's, like, the first time ever that you hear her name in that entire movie, and it's very memorable. Yeah. (laughs) They are seated at a very long table, and the opposite end is Akeem, and they have little call boxes to each other. Yeah, they're, like, little intercoms. Right. But, um, the king thinks that his son looks sad from all the way across the table. He he looks sad. From the football field distance away, he noticed he is sad. Yeah. So Akeem gets up and comes over to sit next to his parents and says pretty much that he doesn't like his current lifestyle. He wants to do things on his own. He has not lived life at all. And now he's expected to marry someone. It's just he needs to do something else. He wants to wash his own penis. Yes, and he also wants love. <laughs> that too. He wants someone. But I mean, the the first the first bit of the whole movie is he just really wants to wipe his own ass. Yes. <laughs> he would like to wipe his own bottom and choose his own clothes and bathe himself and and in addition to that, wants someone to love him for who he is, not for his money. Correct. Yes. Um. Which is something we all want. Mm-hmm. In life. And something Princess Jasmine wanted, too. Yep. And Simba, in a way. Simba, in a Simba, what did Simba, no, Simba didn't want any responsibility. No, that's like, he wanted to, he still wanted love. He felt like this total outcast. He needed, I guess it's more of he needed love. He needed love so to, to be the foundation of his strength so that he could go fight Scar. <laughs> I mean, she was like the first lioness that he saw as a after going through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> what was her name? Nala. Nala. Yeah. Uh, we also meet at this time Arsenio Hall's main character because these people play multiple, multiple characters. Because it's Eddie Murphy. This is the beginning when Eddie Murphy started playing multiple characters. This is where it started. Arsenio Hall plays his friend slash servant Semi. Sammy. 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 Um, and they have a little workout session. With sticks and very high-waisted pants. And lots of flips. Lots, sh- of, lots of gymnastics. I'm sure on. Eddie Murphy was like, for this scene, I want to look like I've done ten backflips in a row. And they bring in the, the guy. <laughs> the guy. And then at the end, he does, like, the jump, and he like, stands proud. Yeah. The... <laughs> With the big Eddie Murphy smile. Yeah, uh, that's like one of my favorite parts of Eddie Murphy movies is the Eddie Murphy smile. Like if you watch, um, what's that movie? The the Meet Dave movie where uh-huh. he plays a, a alien. Yeah. He's re- that movie's really good. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it all the way through. I think it was really good and it was kind of classic Eddie Murphy. I like in Shrek... How they gave him the Eddie Murphy smile, even as the donkey. Yes! <laughs> My mom loves that movie. I love that movie. It's like interspecies, ra- uh, <laughs> interspecies relationships and love yourself for yeah. who you are and be friends. During this workout with his friend, he's like, 
I want a woman with her own opinion. And Arsenio Hall is like, you're crazy. The opinion should be that she loves you and, like, worships you. She shouldn't have any other opinion other than that. Mm-hmm. I found this part very annoying. Why? This, the, 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 like, the discussion about women being the prop for the man, the male ego was just annoying. Yeah, but that's what the- I, I know what it was trying to do, I just was annoyed, I'm sorry. Because later on, and when you go into the actual movie, the way that they portray her as smart is they give her these big words, but yet she still is overrun by her father and her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they're giving her these great caricatures of what they think a strong female should be, but yet they're actually not exploring that when he says that's what he wants. Mm-hmm. Like, he says he wants it, but he wants it at, like, the face value, because he still wants her to be pretty. Yeah. And he still wants all of the other things, plus the brain. So it's like, for me, like, that conversation, it's just like, okay, so you want the perfect woman. Mm-hmm. So when I think of something like that, you think, oh, well, he shouldn't automatically find the perfect woman. <laughs> and, like, he d- didn't really have to... He didn't really have to fight for her all that much, because in the end... Her dad got what he wanted. Yeah, and I think with not fighting for all that much, I think it's because he's supposed to be naturally charming. Yeah. There is, like, no villain in this movie. No. There's there's nothing really struggling about it. Yeah. Which is fun. Like, I thought it was goofy, and it it played off of some really nice themes. Yeah, they were just doing, like, a grown-up fairy tale. Yeah. There were just times where I was just like, ugh, like, stand up for, like, because when she was sitting out in the, when, after her dad basically sells her into marriage, she's sitting in the, the backyard and she's not really standing up for herself, she's just kind of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And then she never really has that moment where she stands up for herself and says, you know what, no, this isn't what I want, or like, she never has that moment that you kind of think of as, like, the strong, the stereotypical strong female woman moment. I feel like she has it with Daryl, but she doesn't have it with her father. Yeah. But even then, even the part with Daryl, it's not, it's not as strong as I would want it to be. Because it just, she comes off very stock love interest character. Mm-hmm. We don't know much about her outside of the fact that she runs a business. Which I felt was a little disappointing for a movie that was wanting to explore that that theme. Yeah, I wish they did more with her like they did in the beginning with her volunteering and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, talking about that or actually show, like, him going and seeing what it's like to be an inner city kid or, or something something like that. I think would have made it a little bit stronger. And I think it would have made their connection mean more mm-hmm. in a way. Because, like, at the end, I'm just like, yeah, of course it's going to be, like, but it's still, like, a what moment? Because it's like, well, one, why, that's a horrible thing to do to your son, like, at the altar, just reveal, like, you just, he's totally agreed to everything that he didn't want in the end. But then you're like, hey, guys, surprise, your heart doesn't have to be broken, kind of thing. It was just like, that's a horrible thing to do on your wedding day. (laughs) Get to spend all morning with a broken heart, and then you have the honeymoon period. That day is, like, just gonna be fucked up in his memory. Because you, like, go from way down here to, like, way up here, and then eventually it's gotta even even things out, and that really has to suck. Okay. I don't know where I'm going. It's just their relationship was odd, in a way. I mean, like most romantic comedies, the relationship is always a little odd. Yeah. But... This just felt, it was his story and she was sitting uh, on the coattails writing, writing along with it. Yeah. Whereas when, what he was wanting isn't what was happening in the movie kind of thing. I was like, that's just kind of a waste of a, of a hero's journey call or whatever it is that you want to go with story structure wise. Because we don't really, he he didn't really know this person. (laughs) That's true. That's, that's a hard problem when you gotta marry the characters in the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when you, when you only give the character 40 days. Like, yeah, you can, it is very possible to fall in love with somebody in a week, but to expect those people to be, get married, because 
marriage is a different, it shouldn't just be based on love and you shouldn't do it just because you love that person. You should also fight with that person and want to kill that person. And here in moments, like not all, all the time, but you should have those mm-hmm. down times too because that's... Tell you solve your problems. Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> well, it's like once you reach like that bottom of the barrel with like the relationship, like how low can it go? Like then how how bad can things really get? Yes. Like, well, no, yeah, that sounds so unromantic and horrible to say, but like but like you know you can get to that level with somebody but still figure out a way to to not kill them. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. That sounds so unromantic, and I'm so sorry, but it... Let's move on. I don't know where I'm going. I'm, I'm in pain. Well, Eddie Murphy's Akeem says times must change. Times yes. Times must change. They can't always stay the same. Can't always stay the same. That's how we move forward. So then we have our royal engagement party, and there's Paula Abdul dancers. In very skimpy clothing. Mm-hmm. And then we meet our queen-to-be. She was interesting. I felt bad for her, like, on many levels. Yeah. Like, I kind of would be interested to know, like, what's her story? Like, a reverse movie about her? About being trained to be a servant to the king? (laughs) And then being completely shafted? Yeah. Her life has no point and purpose now. Yeah. You think they just killed her off? Well, like, he made her bark mm-hmm. and then hop out of the room. And then we never see her again. So, yeah, like, I feel like, yeah, just, like, send her to New York or to L.A. And get feelings of her own and learn about life away from all of the craziness. Because her family was probably really disappointed in her. They probably blamed her. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god, I really want that movie now. But I want it, like, as a drama. Mm-hmm. And, like, this pivotal coal miner's daughter fighting for life kind of drama. I don't know. Don't, I turned this into a weird thing all of a sudden. <laughs> this is what happens. Okay, well, um, yeah, Akeem wants to talk to the, to the queen to be, his bride to be alone, and then, yeah, is disappointed that she doesn't have her own thoughts and opinions, dismisses her, then the king comes to talk to him, and again, Akeem says he's really unhappy, I want to travel the world, and the king says, that's great, that is a good idea, go sow your royal oats, go for 40 days, get out of here, travel, have all the sex. (laughs) All of the sex. I I just assumed that you had sex with the the bathos. Mm-hmm. I did my best, my best James Earl Jones right there. It was the worst. That was. <laughs> uh, Semi and Semi. I don't know. Was his name Sammy? It's like spelled S-E-M-M-I. So it's Semi. Semi. Okay. Yeah. Semi and Akeem decide to go to New York. Based off of a coin toss. Mm -hmm. They're going to go either to L.A. or New York. And what's the best place in New York to find a woman? Apparently Queens. Queens. Which I I don't know anything about New York. So is Queens really bad? I don't know. I don't think I've ever been to Queens. Probably not. I've probably not been to Queens. One day I will go to New York. Everyone just seems very angry there. And very busy. And I feel like I get run over by a taxi. Well, that's where I'm flying into. Yay! A week from this podcast, we fly to JFK, and then from JFK we go to Scotland, where I will meet J.K. Rowling. I keep telling myself that because it's going to happen, Justine. Manamana! Do-do-do-do-do! Manamana! Do-do-do-do! Manamana! Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
which is populated by multiple Eddie Murphys. Eddie Murphys. <laughs> and Arsenio Hall and Cuba Gooding Jr. Jewish Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he's doing his Gary Marshall impression. <laughs> so yeah, they get to New York, all of their shit gets stolen. They're, they get a room, It's they request like the worst room in the building. Which happens to have police tape still left on it. Because somebody killed a blind man and his dog. And his cane. <laughs> his cane. <laughs> the outlines are on the floor. Poor doggy. Yeah. They go and to dress as New Yorkers. <laughs> With giant buttons. They, It's like all the New York... Par- it's like the Mets. They look like they are tourists. Yes. Because they wear everything that says, I heart New York. They also learn the term, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Which I, this was, this is very prevalent. Maybe I should go to New York. I feel like I'd fit in there. You would. I think you would. But they're also angry. Am I that angry all the time? Uh, <laughs> you are a lovely person. <laughs> she says with straight face as I hold gun to her head. They see, <laughs> they see a soul glow commercial which is a jerry curl product yeah i learned what a jerry curl was today there you go they go to barbershop to get uh eddie murphy's haircut yeah he had like a his what what, what did he call it a prince a prince's braid yeah it was like a rat tail yeah it's definitely a rat tail um that he'd been growing since birth mm-hmm. and he wanted to get it cut off yeah to Make him more desirable to the women. Yeah, to the to the American women. Yeah. Then they go to a nightclub to meet girls. Mm-hmm. But they meet the worst women in Queens. Mm-hmm. They meet, like, drug addicts and boring actresses and Arsenio Strippers. Hall and drag. Yeah. <laughs> and some lady who talks them to death. Mm-hmm. And Arsenio Hall and drag again. They went back and forth with her. She was great. Arsenio Hall and drag anytime. It, she looked like RuPaul. Mm-hmm. I thought it was RuPaul at first. I was just like, are you going to sing Supermodel? Is this going to be awesome? I mean, we are in the 80s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they go back to the barbershop and tell them about their terrible time. Like, the Clarence, the, the main barbershop guy... He's locking up. He's locking up. And she, they were like, well, we just try to find women... Where do we go to find nice women? <laughs> and Clarence is like, well, you should go where I'm going. It's this black awareness pageant. Nice, clean girls. <laughs> clean girls. Yeah, they go there, and uh, there's Sexual Chocolate, the band. <laughs> Which was like a Eddie Murphy, like a bad parody rock band based around Prince. That's who Eddie Murphy looked like. He looked like a bad knockoff impersonator of Prince. Sexual chocolate. That's what he Sexual looked like. Sexual chocolate. Yeah. Then, which is sad. R.A.P. Prince. Then we meet uh, the McDowells, who own the Mc- McDowells. <laughs> which which is, is McDonald's. It's not McDonald's, but yeah, it's McDonald's. Those McDonald's people, they're trying to sue them, but they're completely different. They've got the golden arcs, not the golden arches. <laughs> yeah, I like how to get around it. They just pointed the end of the the mm-hmm. M, yeah, and then made the the arch bit like a little bit bigger, like banana e. But yeah, they they are apparently completely different, even though they look exactly the same, basically. Yeah, don't be confused. Uh, that's where we meet Lisa, cause she gets on stage and she talks, cause they're raising money for children for a charity organization that she works for, and it seemed really cool. Like she seemed like a really nice, smart young lady. Young lady of the late 80s. And Akeem is like, yes, that is that is the girl. Her. I have set my sights on you. And he gives all of this money. He, like, just wasted so much money in this. Mm-hmm. For someone who wanted to, like, be on your own, you were wasteful. Though I guess that was the 80s, and the 80s did have a different economic climate. Yeah. Sad. So they get the address of the McDowell's and they get jobs there. Somehow. Just randomly. And then they learn to mop. <laughs> and clean windows. So Akeem mops himself into Lisa's office. 
that's not even, like, an understatement. He, like, mops past her door <laughs> on one end, and then he comes back and mops back. And then he, like, goes into her office while she's working. She's not even paying attention. Right. He's got the big Eddie Murphy smile the entire time. Yeah, and he's like, when you th- think of garbage, think of, of me. <laughs> think of Akeem. Think of Akeem. Which is not the greatest pickup line. No. Poor guy. Lisa's got a boyfriend, though. His name's Daryl. And he is the heir to the soul glow fortune. <laughs> A.K.A. Peter Benton from ER. Yep. I remember. I, like, I saw him and I was just like... He's on ER. I used to watch that show with my mother. Is it? Just yeah. Like, that's not a show that's currently on. It's no. Show. No. This is this is something that I watched in the 90s and wow. the early 2000s with my mother. Wow. I remember little Noah Wiley when he was young. Oh, Noah Wiley. Yeah, and Linda Cardellini. Yeah. And, um, uh, what's her name? Alex, who plays River Song on Doctor Who now. Mm-hmm. She was on ER. She was a doctor. Really? Yeah. Everybody was on ER. Lots of people. So, Daryl takes credit for the large donation that Akeem made during the rally. Yeah, because he didn't donate anything. He did not. What a jerk. He is a big jerk. Right away, you're like, that guy's a big jerk. He doesn't like the children. Mm-mm. We must feed them all. So, Akeem goes back to the barbershop and he wants a jerry curl because he thinks that's what lisa would like yeah and so the barber explains no you don't want to do that 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 does nasty things to your hair and keep it all natural you gotta get in good with her pop yeah they don't care women don't care about what's in your pocket or on your head (laughs) he did all that eddie murphy like hyper overacting Mm -hmm. thing that he normally does I like that he kept saying they don't care what's in your pocket. Yeah. Like, are we talking about money? Are we talking about hair products? Are we talking about weapons? Are we talking about food? Didn't matter. Whatever's in your pocket. They don't care. They don't care. (laughs) Or it could be taken into a dirty direction, but I didn't want to. I thought you were going to (laughs) go. You were waiting for it, too. You gave me a little bit of time. (laughs) Daryl is rich, and that's what the ladies want. Yeah, he's getting a lot of mixed messages. Yeah. Which is never quite resolved. Right. So, he sends Lisa these earrings. Lisa... $500,000 earrings. Yeah. We also meet Lisa's sister, Patrice. Who's a spitfire. That's what I'm gonna call her. I liked Patrice. I wanted a little bit more of Patrice. (laughs) Like, everyone was so concerned about Lisa, and I'm just like, but she has a sister. Why aren't you paying attention to her? Aw. That's what Lisa happens with the younger. Lisa can take care of herself. That's what happens with the younger siblings. Is it? You don't care about them. I care. I love you, Christian. My little brother. My baby. Yeah, but do your parents care? I hope so. Mommy. Yeah, I have a conversation with you. Yeah. Um, so... Lisa and Patrice invite Akeem to go to a basketball game as a double date with Daryl. Yeah, so that uh, Patrice has a date. Yeah. Patrice gives uh, Akeem a, a little, hand job. A little handy J. <laughs> what? Are you rusting out the 80s talk? They call it on the street. <laughs> In New York? Is that what Gary Marshall calls it? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I've never heard it called that ever, Justine. Really? No, I've called, I heard it called a hand job, but not a handy J. <laughs> that sounds almost as terrifying as a rusty trombone. Are you looking up handy J? I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking of pulling up Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary! <laughs> you got the Urban Dictionary. It's also a car wash in San Fernando Valley. Oh, it is. Yeah, we used to live by it. That's why we're like, oh, the handy J. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Yeah, you're going to use it all the time now, aren't wait, you? Wait, wait, I love this. Holly wouldn't blow me the other night, but she gave me one hell of a handy J. <laughs> that doesn't even sound like people would say that today. Oh, these are all the way from back in 2004. Well, I'm old school. <laughs> We <laughs> just say she touched his penis <laughs> in an erotic fashion. 
Yeah. That sounds very Jane Austen, guys. Daryl, at the same time. <laughs> at the same time, Daryl is making fun of Akeem for being from Africa. Yeah, this was weird. And slightly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're just showcasing how much of a dumbass this guy is and that we shouldn't like him. I watch hockey, of course. There aren't a lot of black guys who play hockey, which is unfortunate, but there have been some really big stars who, like uh, P.K. Subban, he grew up in Montreal, and he gave back. Like, he gave all these uh, inner-city kids in Montreal just brand-new equipment so they could learn how to play hockey and kind of reach out to the community and kind of things like that, and he would help, and he would go and do these, like, reading things after school programs and do that kind of stuff and to me that's like that's like a good male black role model for for not just black kids or black boys it's good for for everyone because it kind of reaches out to all the different communities and you get rid of those stereotypes better rather than hoarding your little money pile Mm -hmm. and being a jerk about it which is what this guy was yeah after the basket, like, because well, then he goes to the bathroom. Yeah, he goes to the bathroom and then meets another Zamunda resident. So he gets his picture taken in front of the, the other people. Yeah, and he kept he kept saying that he would uh, cherish that memory or that experience for forever. Yeah. And they're like, who is that? <laughs> He's like, just the man I met in the bathroom. Goo. Mm. At McDowell's. Uh, Daryl wants Lisa to quit. I don't know why. This was, like, a part where it was just, like, let's just throw this random conversation in there. Because she, again, felt like a a thing. It's another one where we're supposed to be like, this guy's the wrong guy for you. (laughs) Yeah, but it was just, it was annoying that she was, like, jokingly standing up for herself and not getting serious about it. Because it felt like this conversation had happened several times before. And at that point you should stand up for yourself and not let him overpower you like he was. Yeah. Is this when Samuel Jackson comes in? Yes. Uh, Akeem <laughs> goes and sits and talks to Lisa. I don't know about what. Well, but- yeah, he go. Daryl goes to get a coffee mm-hmm. and is at, like, the counter or whatever. And so Akeem comes over because I guess he overheard the conversation. So he's like, you should stand up for yourself and, and be, a, be your own woman kind of conversation or whatever. And then, yeah, Samuel Jackson comes in with a shotgun. Starts shooting up the place, demanding the money. And snakes. And snakes! Off of the goddamn plane. (laughs) This was the best part of the whole entire movie. You love Samuel Jackson. I do. He's such a nice, angry fellow. Akeem and Semi take him out. Yeah. Like they, you know, showcased in their training in the beginning. Yeah, he, like, unscrews the head of the mop from the, the handle and kicks the shit out of Samuel L. Yeah. Poor Samuel. Sweep the legs. This is how he became Nick Fury. This is how he lost that eye. Oh, there you go. Connecting it back to the MCU. Cleo, Lisa's dad, who owns the McDowell's, says, you guys, such a, you guys did such a great job, I want you to come over and help me out. And he hires them as valets for his little party. Yeah, they thought they were inviting him over for, like, a party or something. Yeah, but they, uh, Sami is a valet and Akeem is a bartender. Yep. Daryl talks to Akeem and tells him, you gotta be aggressive with women. You gotta tell them what they want. (laughs) Again, more conversations on her behest. And confusing him more. Mm-hmm. And she is left in the dark. So then Cleo announces that Daryl and Lisa are now engaged to be married, unbeknownst to Lisa. Yeah, and her dad's totally okay with that. Yeah. It's like, it, it appears that Daryl went over to talk to Cleo and was like, okay, I think we should get married. And Cleo was like, great, let's tell everybody. Look, we're getting married. (laughs) Bring the family up. Bring them up. Let's talk. Come on, Grammy. Come on. Introducing the kids. They just got married. They just got engaged. Yeah, and Lisa is just visually shocked and upset. (laughs) Yeah, in front of this room full of people. I would have been, oh, hell no. I would have kicked him in the balls. I wouldn't have just ran away. Yeah, she did just, like, cry and run away. Yeah. 
which isn't great. <laughs> well, I mean, get the emotions out, but then come back and kick his ass. Like, rip the jerry curl off and take the earrings out and let's go. <laughs> Akeem and Lisa then have a, um, a Tiffios moment on a swing set. Oh yeah, it was so cute, where he like comes and sits all proper on the swing set, and she's like, I need you to loosen up, and so he's like, okay, I can do that, and then just melts. <laughs> I thought that was really adorable. Yeah. She doesn't want to be pressured to be married, and he relates to this, of course, being like, oh yeah, in my country, there's arranged marriages, and I don't agree with that either. Yeah. You should be allowed to marry whoever you want. Mm-hmm. Not in a time frame. And let Anne Hathaway run that country. <laughs> yes. Without a man. Also, Lisa's like, and Patrice likes you. And he's like, uh. Okay. She's a nice, lovely young lady. The next morning, or whenever, Semi doesn't want to work. He is pouting. He's pouting. So this whole time, he's like, definitely been not into this whole like charade of we're poor. He hates it. No, he just wanted to come to America to have sex. He did, and he's not getting any, and he has to dress horribly, and he has to do manual labor, all of which he's... Just done. No, none of that. So he's like, I'm not gonna work. I'm not doing it. Not I. Nope. Then, at work, Akeem has more talk with Lisa. He wants to cook for her. So he takes her over to his place, but during the day, Semi has bought expensive things. He bought a hot tub, a CD changer, TV, TV, a waterbed, fancy lights, fixed all the walls and the floors and <laughs> redid the entire apartment completely. Right. So now he can't now Akeem can't bring Lisa in there because he's supposed to be poor. This like again this is like where we kind of run into those romantic comedy trope problems the whole like you got to keep up the lie yeah when no you, matter how ridiculous it is <laughs> yeah but at this point you know the audience can see it i understand that he might not be able to see it but he does have her on some form of a hook like he can be honest with her and that's what she wants yeah because that's what daryl has not provided her he's kind of created this image of of uh, himself um, for her, and is now trying to force her to follow that image. Mm -hmm. So he takes, Akeem takes the money, the big wad of cash, away from Semi, and is just like, if you don't have money, you can't do all these crazy things, so you're cut off. And then he goes out on a date with Lisa. They go out to eat, and they dance, and they kiss. And he gives all the money away to two old dudes from trading places. <laughs> Which is a reference that I didn't get. Samit then sends a telegram to ask for a million dollars to the king. Oh, yeah, because first he starts off with... 400,000. 400,000. Well, no, he starts off with 100,000. Then it was just 300,000. Then No, he changed it a couple different times. And I think it went to, from three to four to five to a million. Oh, okay, maybe it was three. Yeah. Because he says, well, that's not enough. Three million? 300? What about 500,000? She says, how about a cool million? And he's like, isn't that asking for too much? Nah. There was a lot of that. Like, the, the 80s, nah. Nah, that's how we talked in the 80s. I'm from the 80s. We said, uh, cowabunga. Like the Ninja Turtles? Yeah, there's, like, videotape of me going, radical! <laughs> like, that was my favorite thing to say. <laughs> radical! So when Sami gets back to the apartment, Patrice is in there, and she's just like, hey, what is the deal with all this stuff? You are supposed to be poor. Yeah. So he tells her that he's the prince. Sami is the prince. Sami, yes, is the prince. And that Akeem is his servant. Yeah, so she, Patrice doesn't want anything to do with Akeem anymore. <laughs> yeah. So also, Cleo, Lisa's dad doesn't want Lisa to be with Akeem. Because he's a goat herder. Because he's told her that he's a goat herder. And he's like, why don't you get back with Daryl? He was rich. He'll take care of you. This plot, part of the plot, never gets resolved. To fix the apartment problem, Akeem 
decides to exchange apartments with their landlord. Because the landlord's like, yeah, I'll take this place. You can have mine. It's terrible. It's a dump. He's like, that is good. He has a date with Lisa coming up. But the king and queen, the royal family, have arrived. With their petal, petal people, petal girls. Petal girls. The king and queen, they go to the barbershop, find out that Akeem has been working. <gasps> Gasp. They go to the apartment, they punish Semi. They punish him by sending him to the to the room at the wall 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 Waldorf. Waldorf. The hotel. The hotel. And you know To get ba- bathed. To put on some respectable attire. And to be bathed many times. Yeah, he's like, finally, thank you. I missed this pampering. I need a manicure. That was my favorite line, though. When he's, like, washing the windows, and he looks at Akeem, and he's just like, man, I just, I need this, my fingers, I need a manicure. It's been so long since I've had a manicure. It's been so long since I've had a woman, and my fingers are all nasty, and I need them fixed. (laughs) The king goes to the McDowell's that they work at and then impresses Lisa's father, just being like, Akeem is prince, I must find him, and now... Call me when you see him. Yeah. Do not alert him to my presence. Yeah, so now Lisa's father likes Akeem. And wants her to marry him. Yeah. So, Akeem, who's been on the date this whole time... With, at, at an African art exhibit from his country, mm-hmm. and he's trying to sneak her out past the portrait of the royal family. Yeah. Which was pretty funny. Yeah, they pull up to their apartment, and he sees all the rose petals on the ground. (gasps) Dun-dun-dun! So he knows. He knows. Right, so they go back to... He escorts her home, gets her into her home, but then her dad's like, stay, 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 I'm gonna get you a drink, just sit there. All the while, Daryl's trying to, like, get back in. Get into the the house, because her dad had called him and say, hey, she's gonna be home tonight. Mm-hmm. Like, come by. Yeah, you guys can make up. Yeah. So, uh, Cleo calls up the king and says, he's here now. Come. Come right away. Yeah. Akeem does leave, and Lisa's dad... Scares Akeem o- away? No, Lisa's dad tells her that he is a prince, and so she is upset. Okay. The royal family then shows up. But this is after Akeem has left. Yeah, Akeem has left. Lisa's dad tells her that he's a prince. She gets upset. Akeem has gone to the Wald- Wald- Waldorf Waldorf <laughs> to uh, get Sami. And um, the royal family shows up to Lisa's house. And then uh, the king tells Lisa she will not be with Akeem anymore. You are a commoner. This is no. He just came here to have lots of sex and sow his wild oats. Yeah, he is set to be married. He's got a wife already. Back off. Yeah. Which just upsets her again. Mufasa means business. Yeah. Akeem then shows up. He's, you know, redressed in his attire. His princely, princely attire. Ad- yep. With Semi. And um, he says that he loves her. And that he wants to get married. And this is when Mama Lion comes in, stands up to the king says if he really does care about her, shut the hell up and let him get married. Yeah. But, um, Lisa's like, I can't do any of this. Yeah, like, peace out, bro. Bye. (laughs) At the same time, Daryl and Patrice get together. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because he, like, has been attacked by this dog. He, like, comes in out of the rain, all dripping. And so Patrice is like, we need to take all of this off. (laughs) Yeah. Lay down here. And that's the last we see of them. They just have sex. That's what that happens. Yeah. So Lisa goes on to the subway. She's trying to, like, run away from Akeem, but Akeem follows her onto the subway. He explains to Lisa that he loves her, but she is conflicted because he lied. And so he's like, well, I'll renounce my throne for you. I'm no longer prince. And she's like, no, I don't want you to do that. I'm just gonna leave. Bye. So then... The royal family and everybody leave to go back to Samunda. Sadly. Yep. On the way there, the queen is like, why do we even have this stupid tradition? And the king's like, who am I to change it? And she says, I thought you were the king. (laughs) Wink, wink. 
Yeah. So we get back to Zamunda. It's the wedding day. And down the bride walks in a very large, poofy, pink, sparkly dress. Yep. It was like Glinda of the... Glinda the Good Witch just threw up all over her. (laughs) And then some. (laughs) And then some. And she added some extra tool just to be safe. Yeah. And uh, Akeem removes the... The veil. The veil. And... It's Lisa! It's Lisa! He was all sad standing there, and then they're all happy, and they're kissing, and um, the the ser- the head servant guy is like, um, your majesty. We're not to that part yet. <laughs> but they're smooching. They're smooching. They love each other. They get married. They get married. And she's like, you really would have given this all up for me? And he's like, I still would. And she's like, nah! <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends. And we go through the cycle of... <laughs> Who was Eddie, Eddie Murphy? Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Eddie Murphy played them all. All of them. Even his even his uh, love interest. Yep. Do you have a rating? I do have a rating. I am ready to rate. Okay. It's your turn to go first. I'm going to rate this uh, three buckets of rose petals. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. I'm going to rate it two and a half of the the lion cape things that the king was wearing. Mm. Cuz it was like a full on like cape, but it was a full on lion. But it was a lion. <laughs> like he brought that into the United States. It was not a real lion. You could definitely tell it wasn't a real lion. Mm-hmm. It was fake. And it was like velvet <laughs> kind of thing. But yeah, that's that's what I'm going with. Mm-hmm. Um so next week we are going to be watching a movie from my birth year, finally. Finally! Gosh, be born already, <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> We're watching 1989's Say Anything. Ooh, John Cusack. I know, I, I'm i 90% sure I've seen it, but yeah. I don't remember. I remember just the boombox, that's it. Yeah, I think uh, an ex-boyfriend of mine made me see it once because it was like his favorite movie, and I don't really remember. Yeah, so we're not going to have a guest for that. No. We might do that a lot, because some of them we've, we may have seen and just forgotten about. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Whatever. 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 It's our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we make the rules. Yeah. <laughs> That's our guns. <laughs> <laughs> pew, pew, pew. <laughs> yeah. So, we don't have any thank yous this week because we did a recording back-to-back. So, if you listen to the past episode, you'll hear all of our thank yous. You can listen and download to our episodes at thecutaways.com. Please leave us comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. We love having feedback. It's always fun. Even if you leave us mystery clues. We like that, too. Yeah! Yeah. All, All fun. We are also on Facebook and Twitter as at Cutaways Podcast. Boom. Thanks Boom. for listening. You've been wonderful. You're such a good audience. It's so nice when, you know, like, we just talk at you for an hour. Yeah. We hope you've had a good time driving or whatever. Yeah. Spending your time with us. We, we love it. Now we're going to go watch some, some Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones! Ashley's about to get married. (laughs) No, there is still one more episode before your wedding. I know, before I have to change my name. Mm -hmm. My baby. My little baby. (laughs) Bye!